Welcome to the Rebel Physician Podcast, where we are creating a path for physicians to break free from the toxic medical system to create an enjoyable and a sustainable career in medicine. Join us each week as we challenge the status quo, push boundaries, and seek to create a better healthcare system for all. Today's episode, I'm interviewing Dr. Pita DePaula. I actually saw her speak initially at the Women Physician Wellness Conference in Amelia Island, and we have been in each other's social media circles for a long time before then. She is the founder of ThoughtWork MD, which helps physicians and professional women learn how to identify, manage, and then let go of what is not serving them through transformational mindset coaching. She is also a pediatrician a medical practice owner, and the DOO of Virginia Eye Spine Physicians. She has some amazing insights and is grounded down to earth and just a true gem. Please enjoy this Rebel interview with Dr. Arpita. Arpita, I'm so glad you're here with me today. I mentioned in the intro that I, after stalking rural not really stalking, but seeing each other on social media for months and months. We finally met in person at the Women Physician Wellness Conference. And your talk was just so, I just felt like it was a breath of fresh air. It was just so real and grounded and down to earth. I said, I have to get you on the podcast. So thank you for being here. Oh, well, thank you for having me. Such a pleasure. And I'm I'm glad it resonated. It's, it is sometimes hard talking about some of the things. And I think that's what kind of really stri- strikes a chord with certain people. So yeah, I appreciate it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, let's just dive in. And um, I want you to tell me all the different ways that you have been a rebel physician so far. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, gosh. So rebel physician, I would say it would probably go back actually thinking about it, going back first to med school and, you know, doing the things that I wanted to do. That's where I met my husband. And um, just long story short, my husband is Italian and obviously I'm from India. My parents are born in India. And so, you know, going outside of the cultural norms, marrying somebody outside, even though he was a physician and everything else that would be checking the boxes, that would be, I think, a little bit of a rebel physician, even though it may not be you know, that I want to be a rebel against my parents or the family, but, you know, they came around. Um, But I would say more so when I started practicing peds, um, you know, the first year I actually, when my husband was finishing his fellowship, I took off, our first child was born. And so I took off and stayed with her at home. And then when we moved to Richmond, I started with a practice and, you know, I knew from the beginning that I always wanted to be part-time. I wanted to be present and be able to be there for the kids, be home, be able to pick them up or be home for them when they get home from school. And so that in my mind, I remember in residency chatting with my friends saying, I'm going to do two to three days a week. And that's it. You know, that's my ideal um, week of pediatrics. And so I found a practice. I was lucky enough to find a practice when I moved to Richmond that honored that. They said, okay, we'll hire you for two days a week. And then um, th- that was kind of set. And then right before I was supposed to start, they called me and asked me to go to three days a week um, because somebody was on maternity. And I agreed to it. And that quickly turned into the entire year turning into three days a week. And then at the end, when I approached them about going to the originally agreed upon two days, they um, kind of gawked at it and they said we'd cut some benefits and stuff. So Needless to say, I left that practice and then I joined another practice, which was amazing. Also two days a week was a perfect fit. Um, But after about eight to 10 years, 
there, their senior partner was retiring and they asked me to take her place to go to full time. But also at that time, that's when my husband was opening his medical practice and I knew I was being pulled a little bit there and then also still, you know, managing our kids and our family. So I had to make that tough decision and I said no and I stopped working as a pediatrician um, in a practice. And that was really hard because it's not, you know, I, I love pediatrics. I still love pediatrics. I love doing that work. But I also knew that I had in my mind set what I wanted to do with my family. And I had the luxury of being able to take care of them and, and spending time with them first. Um, so I stepped away um, and really dived more into my husband's practice for a while where I had that flexibility in the schedule. And then, um, you know, I guess those are two of the main areas why where I did create a locums business and, and um, started doing some locums locally for practices and filling in. Um, but I think more currently is having that ability to know how we want to practice and how we want to run our current medical office. You know, we've decided, yeah, insurances may not be going the way that we want to go. There's a lot of restrictions on patients and patient care access um, based on the policies and, and, you know, the guidelines for whatever policy they pick for insurance, for their own insurance. And that's really restricted our ability to provide the care the way we have been trained, you know, or I keep saying we, it's him, but we, I know how well they've been trained, but they're not able to use their knowledge base because they're, they're restricted by their guidelines, the insurance guidelines. So creating a option potentially for patients to have maybe direct care um, through self-pay is something that we're really uh, entertaining and moving towards. And I think that that's hopefully going to be another kind of example of how we're reb rebels. We're rebellious. We don't want to just conform with the norm of this is what's happening with insurance. So let's just deal with it and, and suck it up. That's not, that's not how we work. So I think those are kind of some of the examples for me personally, where I think I'm a rebel. <laughs> yeah. I And I agree. I, I think that it's in so much of your story, it, you say it like so nonchalantly, like, oh, I just did this. And I just did this. And I want to pull out some of those moments because I think your story and what you've shared so far is really powerful. And especially, like I mentioned, when we were talking before is working part time. I think that is extremely rebellious as a physician, because at least in my experience, when I was training, it was kind of like this almost like this underlying, not really spoken about assumption that if you're going to become a doctor, then it needs to be your entire life. Mm -hmm. And there's this question like, okay, well, if you're going to be this kind of doctor, like as an OBGYN, it's like, well, you can't have a family and be an OBGYN as if like my career as a physician is the number one thing. And then everything else kind of has to fit around it. So for you to know from the very beginning, like in residency, that you were going to be part-time physician, I think that's really refreshing, but probably not the norm, you know, quote unquote norm. Yeah. So was there any, or do you remember any, like getting any judgment or hearing about any other judgment from your peers or co-residents or anything like that about, oh, we really only want to work full-time or part-time, anything like that? I would say if I go back actually to med school, I remember we had a classmate who graduated, but then chose not to pursue residency, chose not to practice medicine. And I remember even myself included having a lot of judgment around she just wasted a spot for somebody in med school, right? Mm -hmm. um, now I reflect back and, and think, wow, she had the guts to realize this is not what she wanted to do for the rest of her life and was able to say, 
you guys can think what you want. I'm not doing anymore, you know, and that's pretty impressive because um, it's hard to do. Yeah. Um, I would say in residency, I don't think I had a lot of judgment that I wanted to do it only two to three days a week. Um, maybe it was a factor with me being a female physician. There were mostly female physicians in my residency program, but um, I do feel like I felt more judgment actually when I first started practicing, especially in that first practice. And when I joined that practice, like I said, they hired me for two days a week, but there was a senior partner in that practice who was maybe 10, 15 years older than me, um, who worked one to two days a week and had no call. And so I remember going in there saying, well, I would like to have a setup similar to that. Oh, well, you can't have that. That's only for her. She kind of got grandfathered in with that. I'm like, okay. So I remember there being these sort of constructs for what we can do and what we're not going to do. But I didn't even go in with the option of it being full-time. And I think maybe that is why I didn't even entertain practices that were only looking for full-time. I only interviewed with part-time um, people that were considering part-time. And I made it very clear and upfront when I put my resume in that that's all I wanted. Um, so I think that that kind of paved that path for me that it was only going to be that way. Um, and I didn't really consider anything else, you know, now had I not even ever had the option, like if nothing came or nothing became available for me to be part-time, I don't really know what I would have done because I was so adamant about it being part-time, but I also was lucky enough to get something that fell in my lap that way. So a question just came to me and I really want to ask it before I forget. So I know we're going to, this is like a little bit of a tangent, but what do you think, like, how did you working part-time benefit your patients? Like, how did that make you better at your job? Honestly, I think, especially maybe in pediatrics, they say until you have kids, you can't really be an awesome pediatrician because the advice we give before and after we actually have kids of our own is very different. Um, and so with me being able to be part-time, I was able to really experience motherhood and be present for my kids more and know some of the ins and outs and the nuances of daycare and life and traveling back and forth and all the different things that I probably may not have understood had I had a nanny that was kind of doing all of it and I was just doing working nine to five. So I think that's a big piece. The other part might be just even, you know, being more joyful for myself, right? Because I was doing what I wanted to do. And so that created a sense of autonomy and a sense of just fulfillment that I was getting mm -hmm. to take care of my kids. That's what I've always wanted to do. And this is also my time to be at the office and focus here and be happy. And I was able to do that. Um, and, and I remember thinking, wow, because, you know, mom is Momming is not easy. We all know that mm -hmm. you've got a ton of babies, right? So it's like yeah. a lot of work. Um, so I just remember thinking when I go to the office, it's so much easier. It's actually like a mm -hmm. vacation from being at home. So the office wasn't harder for me at that time compared to being at home with the kids, but I knew I wanted to do both. Yeah. yeah. And I think that so much of that is because you recognize the importance of all of the parts of you that you wanted to focus on. And I think that's a huge deal that so many physicians, like it just doesn't occur to us to invest time into anything that's not our job. For right. I mean, for me, that's how it was for a long time. Right. And I mean, I also, there might be a little bit of a cultural component. I mean, I was 
um, first generation born in the U.S. My mom stayed home with us um, pretty much her entire life, her entire career. When we got a little bit older, she started doing some real estate work, but she never really had a full-time job where she was not present or able to be present for us. So I don't remember days that I would come home from school and she wasn't there. So that was also, I think, a, a influence for me because I was mm-hmm. I realized how important and how valuable that was. And I wanted to be there for my kids the same way. Um, so I think there's different factors. Um, and, and that being said, some people don't like raising kids. Some people don't really enjoy doing any of that stuff. They just want to come home and play with them and let them go to bed and be done. So I think each person is individual. What brings you joy and what really energizes you? And if it means that for you, you like to work all day, eight to five or seven to six, whatever it is, and then come home and enjoy some time with your kids. There's nothing wrong with that Mm -hmm. to figure out what you love for yourself and do that. It's a lot of times the guilt that we have too around not being able to show up as mom the way we want. And, but we may not recognize that we don't necessarily always enjoy it either. Right. So Mm -hmm. we have to kind of balance it out and figure out what, what we really want to do. Yeah. And I think the first step in that is just bringing some awareness to what we want and not just what we think is expected of us. And that's a challenge, I think, which yeah. is we don't why conversations like this are so important. Speaking of guilt, I actually want to, I wonder about the other way when you, the moments where people, they wanted you, you know, your practice wanted you to work more or when you left the practice that was was asking too much of you, was there guilt there about what I hear from a lot of physicians is, oh, I, I can't abandon my patients. I can't leave. My patients would be lost or some sort of heroic, you know, they feel like they're the one hero in the world who's saving their patients. And I'm not saying that doctors don't do great work and <laughs> you can't martyr yourself. So did you have any of that guilt with when it came to switching practices or making a transition? And if so, how did you navigate that? Well, honestly, I don't think I had guilt. And you know, from my talk, I do a lot of talk around anger. I yep. think and for both situations was actually anger, right? Mm-hmm. The first situation, I was very angry that you agreed to X, Y, and Z, but you're still only giving me A, B, and C, right? And so that, I, you know, you didn't do what you said you're going to do. One of my, and part of this goes back to knowing what your core values are. One of my core values are living is living with authenticity and integrity, right? You're going to say what you do and do what you say as much as possible. I know with mommying, it's also a little bit different. But um, with that, that's why I was kind of really upset because I was contractually told one thing and something changed. With the second one, I was more angry because I felt hurt, really, right? When I talk about the anger, it's it's a secondary emotion. There's another emotion underneath it. So what I was really feeling when they said, hey, we need you to go full time, and I said, I can't do that. And then they actually said, well, we're not going to be able to continue your position. I felt hurt. I had spent eight years, you know, building relationships with families, building relationships with those partners in that office. And I loved that practice. I still love the practice. We take our kids there still. But um, it was hurtful to see that they were not able to figure out a way to make it work after I'd been there for so long doing it part-time, um, part-time, you know, setup for that. So it wasn't really guilt. It was anger. Now I did feel badly that my patients were not able to follow me because I wasn't going anywhere else. And I also made sure I kept in touch with the patients that I knew were in the middle of 
some stressful situations or diagnoses that needed help and help them navigate through, even though I wasn't there. Um, so the guilt part wasn't there for leaving. I think the guilt part came maybe down the road when I realized more, more, more and more as time went on that I probably wasn't going to go back full time. I probably wasn't going to go back part time. Sorry. And um, that became evident as I became more enmeshed in the medical, our medical practice that we own with the kids getting older. And quite frankly, the fear of not having practiced for so long, I didn't, I mean, I kept everything up. You can ask my best friend, I drug her to every conference and did everything to keep my CMEs and my licensure and all that. And I still have everything active, but as I got farther and farther out from it, I felt more and more concerned that I wasn't going to be um, my A game per se. And, you know, some people might question me, challenge me to, that's just the way you're thinking about it. But I felt that I didn't want to jeopardize anybody potentially in patient care if I wasn't 100% on point. Um, and that's when I did, I started kind of discovering coaching more too, because I realized that I was getting more um feeling guilty about letting that go, but then also wanting to create something else and maybe do something different. And so maybe that's the main area where I had guilt that I, oh, you know, I did have this major education. I spent so much time in this and maybe am I disappointing my parents by not continuing this career and, 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 and that sort of thing. So that that's more mostly where it was. Let's, let's dive into that a little bit because I do talk to physicians who are considering leaving medicine altogether. And that's a huge factor is this, I, I wait, I don't want to waste so much. I waste all this time and training and it's a huge disappointment for other people. How does someone start to reconcile that for the benefit of their future? I think where this goes to down to what it boils down to is that we have over time started to equate our worth to being a doctor, right? Mm -hmm. We are amazing or good or valuable because we are able to save another life or take care of people. And we have to really backtrack here and start to relearn the fact that we are worthy no matter what we do, right? And just because I studied so hard and went through training and became a doctor does not mean that I have to do that for the rest of my life. It doesn't mean that I'm not a doctor anymore if I choose to do something else. It doesn't mean that I can't have joy and fulfillment in another form from by doing a different career or, or pursuing a different career in my life. And so I think that's one of the biggest things that doctors really have to come to terms with is that recognizing that we equate our worth to being a doctor and we're ashamed of what other people are going to think, you know, worried about are people going to think that I'm not a good doctor, that I had malpractice cases or suits against me, like all the things that our brain goes to. And honestly, most of the time people, if they do care about it or they're worried about why, it's not that's not where their brain is going. They really want to know what's happening and why you're shifting and why you're changing. When I made that change, I didn't intend to be a mindset coach by any means. I was planning on helping my husband for a couple of years on the side while I still looked for something in pediatrics. And as time evolved, I realized I don't want to have anything in pediatrics. I can't find anything in pediatrics that fits my schedule with all the other things I have. And that became the spark for me to create the medical locums business, Pete's Proxy MD, so that I could practice on my own terms and on my schedule. So I think you have to have an awareness of why you want to change 
like what you're not happy with in the situation you're in, what you want to create, what are your ultimate goals in life? And that becomes the the spark kind of, or the seed to create something new. So I knew I needed something that would suit my schedule and I wanted to still practice pediatrics and I wanted to have the flexibility of saying no. I didn't want, I wanted to be my own boss. And so that's how I came up with not even going to a locums company, just I'm going to create a locums company for myself. Um, and then, you know, moving forward from that, that's where I had to do a lot of mindset. I mean, I'm making it sound super easy, I think, but it took me years to really recognize, like I was dragging my friends to the PEDS conferences and doing these, these requirements, keeping everything up to date because of my fear for years mm -hmm. of what people would think because of the fear of disappointing my parents, because of the shame I had for taking a spot in med school and not using that education further down the road. So then I started to do that work and realize that I am worthy no matter what. And just because I'm not healing somebody with medicine, I can heal them in a different way. You know, mm -hmm. the joy for me comes from helping other people. And there are many different ways to do that. And so that's kind of how that shifted for me. Yeah. I, I, those are all really great points. And I'll, I'll just add to that, that similar to the worth, I think it's our inability to recognize that we are more than the identity of a doctor. Like it's like our whole identity as a person is doctor so-and-so instead of realizing that your purpose or you're here, whatever you're here to do is fulfilled in many ways, not just in your career. Right. And that's kind of helped me to navigate that as well. Um, you have so many interesting things that I just want to touch on. So you created your locums company. So first of all, I want to know where this entrepreneurial thing came from. Is that just kind of what is, you know, innate with you? And then how do you, how does one go about creating a locums company anyway? Yeah. I mean, if you could hit the high points, it's probably not. Yeah, no, I had another podcast, but <laughs> it's again, if you had told me 15 years ago, you're going to have um, your own businesses and, and handle all the things and be like, I don't know what you're talking about. I'm just a doctor going to work, clocking in, clocking out. We're done. That's it. Um, I think the entrepreneurial like flair came from my husband because he recognized very quickly that he wanted to create his own thing. And so that's when he started the business. And I was adamantly against it, honestly, for the first mm -hmm. couple of months when he was talking about it. And then um, eventually just, you know, the compensation um, setups changed for him and it became pretty evident that we were going to have to make a change. And so I got on board and we created the business. And that, even though it was very difficult, it was such a steep learning curve. And that's where I think I learned a lot of how to run a business, how to create a business, um, how to manage all the things. And I'm by no means saying I'm good at it or perfect. Um, and there's definitely room for growth, but that's also a big part of why I am where I am today, because a lot of my frustrations and resentment and anger came from me having to take on the role in that office, which I did not want to take on. Right. Mm -hmm. And so when I had to step back and realize, Hey, you're not happy. That's when I was able to shift. So that, that was really what started it. And then you know, as I mentioned, years went by, I left my practice and I started thinking, well, if he can start a business like this, why can't I start something similar for me for what I want to do? So I have some ownership and some um, independence on how I want to create my career. 
And that became my spark for my idea of why don't I just create a locums business? And then I have the flexibility of saying who I want to fill in for, how far I want to go. Do I even want to travel? What the rates are? It all comes to me. Um, And so I did, I pretty much just set up an LLC, which you can do online, just go to your state corporation commission and, and set that up. Um, I started doing some research. I had the access to some of these advisors, like our insurance rep, et cetera, et cetera. So, you know, learned about how I can work for a practice under their malpractice rather than purchasing a, a premium for myself, as long as it's within their terms. So I avoided that expense. And really, that's it. I just went around to practices locally. I I gave them my spiel of what I do and why I'm doing it and just kept on putting myself out there. And and that became, I mean, I still, I had a reputation in the community. It it definitely led to me getting um, gigs per se, but then um, COVID happened, right? And so when COVID happened, everything shut down. Pediatricians didn't have jobs and like people did not need them. Nobody was being seen. And that's exactly the time where I said, okay, well, I'm thankful that I'm not working. I'm not practicing because I don't have to go now. I can be home with my kids and take care of them. And I was able to then build the other business that came next after I started doing a lot of reflection with what happened with our medical practice during that time with COVID. So so yeah. So, I mean, I think one of the things I always like to say is that when we are going through like hellish times that we think things are bad, it's really hard to sometimes get past it. And so what one of the things that I've really learned is starting to see the gift in things when things are not so good. And it might not be 100% evident right then, but it always reveals itself at some point down the road. And so just having that faith and knowing that there is some good to what's happening, even though it feels really crappy, has really helped me get through a lot of times of difficulty and still does when we deal with a lot of things at the medical office, et cetera, et cetera. So. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I that sentiment has really helped me as well. And it seems like it, a little bit Pollyanna on the surface, like, oh, just think happy thoughts, but it's really not what it is. It's the recognition that like life is really about suffering and shit storms i mean that's what i think it's not like we come here and like it's supposed to be like rainbows and it's just really not like that i think that's probably something that we believed for too long like you're just supposed to be happy all the time i actually don't think that's true i think the whole point of life is to go through some shit and yeah. see how much you can like bring love into every moment and that tr- that thought shift that perspective shift has been really powerful because it then it's like in all the moments that okay this is shitty and it's supposed to be like this like you can find gratitude in there anywhere and it's easy to prove that to yourself if you look back in the last you know five to ten years and think about all the awful things you went through and the good that came from that I mean the best things in your life I guarantee have come from a foundation of shit (laughs) <laughs> yes, totally. We we build on the shit pile to get to where we want to be, right? I mean, but it's so true, right? Yeah. And I think one of the key points there is that you don't necessarily see it when you're in the shit. You're not going yeah. to because you're just looking through. I always tell my my people that it's like you're looking through a windshield covered in shit. And so sometimes you need somebody else to wipe the shit away. But when you, even for yourself, 
you will see it later. Like we had an employee, a potential employee want to join the practice last week and everybody's dealing with staffing crap still right now. It's just across the board everywhere. And they came back and said, well, I heard bad things about the practice. I heard bad things about the owner, i.e. me from like five years ago. And so I don't think I'm going to join. And so initially my response was anger and and like, what the heck? Like you don't. And then I realized, you know what? This is a gift because if this person is willing to take on the thoughts or the opinions of somebody so quickly without even giving us a chance, they're not the people. They're not our people. That's not who we want in our practice now because our culture has totally shifted in our practice. But that kind of tells me and shows me, reminds me of how much work there is to do still with people and that again, there's that, that's the gift, right? This is not the right person for our practice. So it's being able to also be vulnerable and just like own up to that too and say, Hey, yeah, I was kind of crappy. I know I wasn't the best person then and I've made changes. And so I want to bring people who support me and support the the office the way we want now. Yeah. 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 And I think one theme throughout this whole conversation, um, that has come up for me a lot is that you have like really truly embodied someone who has taken the phrase, I can't and shifted it to how can I? And it just throughout so much of what you said over and over again, it's like, it's almost as if I can't doesn't show up. Well, I'm sure it does because you're a human, but yes, really so much of it is like, how can I make, how can I work part-time? How can I be with my kids? How can I do whatever? And I think that's just really inspiring. Oh, thank you. I just want to show you this. This is, um, so I, everybody, I think everybody needs a coach. I still get coached. And so my coach told me, Arpita, I, what do you do? You always make it work out. So she like, put it on a sticky note. I always make things work out and put it all over because we all go through the crappy times, right? But we have to have some sort of positive thought to revert back to, to remind us why and how we've persevered. And so for me, that's it. I always make shit work out. No matter what happens, it always works out. Everything can be figured out. That one is a good one. But for me, it's just reminding myself, I always make shit work out. So you got to think of what works for you to help pull you out of those shit storms when you're in them so that you can continue to persevere in your your life as well. Yeah. So much great wisdom from this conversation. Before we close, do you mind talking a little bit about ThoughtWork MD and what you're doing for professionals and physicians in that program? Yes, I would love to talk about it. So, and that is honestly another gift that came out of COVID and came out of shutting down the practice and my own reflection on how I was showing up with my kids. And so what I do with ThoughtWork MD is I provide um, trauma-informed mindset coaching um, for women physicians and professionals. I'll do some meals if they're referred by some women professionals that I know, but um, it's primarily to help um, my colleagues and other individuals recognize where they're essentially stuck, what's holding them back. You know, if they're not able to process emotions properly, if they're always showing up angry in situations rather than really being able to effectively troubleshoot, we kind of really dive into how we can build awareness around what we're thinking each day about all the situations that we encounter so that we can see how that impacts our emotions, how we're feeling and how that results in how we show up and what we create for ourselves. Because when we start to build that awareness, that's when we can start to shift and decide what we want to think. So I created the business. I had no intention of doing it. I really, again, did all this work for myself because I knew I wanted to not be so angry. And um, I just loved the work and thought it was so 
impactful and honestly effortless once you start doing it that I wanted to share it with everybody. So that's how ThoughtWork MD was born. And I have really enjoyed doing it, trying not to burn out in that sense too, you know, being very mindful, not overscheduled, but um, I love doing the coaching for women physicians and for hospital systems and groups so that we can kind of spread a little bit of knowledge because they never taught us in med school that our thoughts yeah. are our feelings, right? So mm-hmm. um, it's one of the basic things that we need to really start having more accountability for how we're showing up. And I think this is part of the beginning steps of doing that. So, yeah. And do you mention that you're trauma-informed mindset, mindset coach? So, so do you mind just talking a little bit about the importance of the trauma-informed aspect of that? Yeah. A lot of the times what we don't recognize is the reason we show up or the reason we become activated with our anger or any other response we have is because of the past traumas that we have in our life. And we, you know, we don't recognize that even med school for us, for most of us was a trauma, right? We are not allowed to process the emotions that come up for us when we have a complicated case or a death or a bad trauma. We're told to kind of push it aside and move on and be happy for the next patient. So there's so many things that kind of can contribute. And these are little traumas per se. There's obviously big traumas as well that happen, the abuse and, and you know, homicide, et cetera, et cetera, that happen in our lives. But all of those past experiences do impact how we show up each day. And a lot of times we don't connect the dots there for why it's happening for us. So that's part of my training is to help kind of pull out if you are wanting to, if the client is interested in doing that, what might've contributed in the past, from the past to how they're showing up now. And then the other piece of that, that I really felt was important is learning about processing emotions, because again, as physicians, we don't know how to do that, right? We don't know how to feel our feelings. And so I completed another training with Beth Air and her advanced deep type coaching, where we really worked a lot on recognizing emotions, recognizing how they show up for us in our bodies, and then learning how to process them so that we can actually move through them rather than kind of avoid, resist, react, all the things we do that is not productive. Um, so I think those two, those two additional trainings on top of the basic coach training really helped kind of round out how I can work with my clients, especially if they have past traumas. And, and um, most of us, if not all of us really do. So, yeah. Yeah, I agree. Well, thank you so much for your time again. And do you mind where people find you on social media? Do you mind putting that out there for me? Sure. I am um, on LinkedIn. I'm at, at Arpita De Palma. Um, and then on Instagram and Facebook, it's ThoughtWorkMD. And then my website is www.thoughtworkmd.com. So perfect. And those links will be available too in the episode of details. Thank yes. you so much. Well, thank you so much, Kristen. I enjoyed being here with you. Mm-hmm.